Welcome to the Westside Investors Network. Win your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. Just a quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments or take any other action. And now, AJ and Chris Shepard. Hello, and welcome to the Westside Investors Network. This year, we're launching a new segment on the show, The Deal Deep Dive. These are mini episodes where our featured guests will share their unique stories on a specific deal they've participated in. We will go deep on all aspects of the deal, from finding it to making the offer, due diligence, and more. Do us a solid and smash that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and further your investing journey. And welcome back for our Deal Deep Dive episode. We've got Justin Brennan here from Brennan Poli Multifamily Group. And he is going to share with us a deal that he recently underwrote, but they decided not to go with it. Justin, take us away. Tell us about the deal. Okay. So can I share my screen? Does that help or no? Sure. Absolutely. So I'll show you kind of a quick and dirty... See if this actually works. Did it come up? Yep, there it is. We are looking at your pro forma right now. So now keep in mind, this is kind of a quick and dirty 10,000 foot level single sheet that I had an underwriter guy and myself, we put together just so I can kind of look at a deal in a snapshot before I then throw it into our very detailed model that really analyzes it in great detail. So this is a 272 unit deal in San Antonio, Texas that we did not move forward on. And I'll explain why here in a moment. But what it does is it allows us to throw in the EGI number. What I mean by EGI is effective gross income. And effective gross income takes the gross, right? Taking out vacancy, bad debt, lost, like all kind of the economic losses. Then we get to that subtotal number. And then we're adding in other income such as reimbursables or you know, pet income, parking income, all the extra income on the property that then gets us to an effective gross income number. So that's the number that goes in here. Okay. So Justin, before we dive into the details of the financial analysis, why don't you tell us how did this deal come across your desk? Yeah. So in building kind of relationships with many of the brokers and the different markets that we're interested in, I've met a lot of them personally and then signed up through their websites and through their emails and all that stuff. So I'm getting a lot of those emails flowing through every single day. And then of course, I'll push them off real quickly to my underwriter guy that I've hired to throw it into this quick little format. Okay. And so this came from a multifamily broker and what kind of deal is this is this a kind of like a heavy lift value add or is this more of just a straight value play where you're going to be increasing rents and implementing rubs? Yeah, so it's a pretty heavy value add. We got about $4 million in CapEx that would be projected on this one, which would be about $14,000 a door, give or take. And that would include interior and exterior renovations. Okay, so it's a decent size you know, value lift. I'd say a medium sized value lift. Awesome. Okay, and so now... Let's dive into the underwriting. 
Cool. How exactly do you approach underwriting a 272 unit deal? Yep. So we will take the email that comes through that has an operating memorandum from the broker. It's got the T12, which is the 12 month trailing profit loss statement. And it has the rent roll that pretty much shows me every single unit and what they're rented for. Those three pieces of information are going over to my underwriter guy. He's pulling it up and then putting it into this little quick little snapshot where it's showing us total effective gross income. And then obviously we have the operating expenses, which are shown to us on say the T12, which is the the profit loss statement for the last trailing 12 months. That's why it's T12. And then you get to pulling out some reserves and so forth, and then we'll annualize it. So you can kind of see some of the numbers here that get plugged in. And I won't dive too much into those, but what it starts to populate, right? When we come in here to kind of our unit mix, right? You can see what he did. He down here is he adds in the current rent roll for the units and what they're rented for today. And then obviously the count on them. And then what we're doing is now we need to figure out, okay, post renovation, what are they going to rent for? Right? So we're adding in these numbers and that gets us to an annualized reno number, which then gets popped up here. So that way by the you know year two, year three, we're fully renovated. We're at you know, maximum rents. We're, you know, kicking butt. This is what the rent looks like. And then we're going to progress from where we're at today being current all the way through year one, year two, year three, which we're basically now at the maximum level, at which point we can potentially refinance the property at that point. And so what would be the details of a loan that you would use to acquire a property like this? Yeah. So given this deal size, you're looking at a loan amount. So over here on the right, kind of is where we get three different pieces of Yeah, we're looking at the purchase price, the capital improvements, closing costs, and total loan amount. Which is based on a 75% loan to cost, right? So when you take the acquisition plus the renovation, some closing costs are going to be pulled out of that. You're not going to get a loan on that portion. Now you get your loan amount of, say, $21,750,000, right? 75%. In the market today, you're going to get somewhere in the threes, maybe three, three and a half percent interest rate on that. So that's going to get me my debt service, right? And that number's over here for the first three years because it's going to be interest only. Keep in mind, this is a quick and dirty. So these numbers, when I get pulled, if it actually makes some sense and starts hitting some metrics for us, I'll drop it into our really detailed model to really tighten everything up and look at it on more detailed. But what I'm ultimately looking for is I'm looking for an IRR north of 17%. So this obviously doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, the IRR you guys calculated was 11.7%. Is that IRR calculation you got there, is that a general partner IRR or is that a limited? Yeah, this is a property level IRR. Okay. So the, just the property level. Correct. Because it's take, I mean, we're just taking total returns, all the cash flow right here, getting me a property level. Because I know if I get to a 16, 17% property level, when I start to get down to the actual cash on the, the investor side, that number is going to pop up where I can get into the high teens, low 20s, which is ultimately what most investors and investment groups are looking for. So this is an average cash on cash return. You can look at it on a yearly basis here, but on average, I want to see that. That's not actually bad. You know, sevens and eights and nines is not bad, but the issue is kind of 
the real issue that came down with this particular property is the unit mix. And now here's a word from our sponsor. Get things done while you're on the move. Learn more about working with a virtual assistant through off-site professionals. It's a great way to get all the things done that you need to get done. Have freedom in your time and streamline your life by automating your business. Stop spending time on the tasks that you can delegate and start spending more time on your superpower. Call us today at 503-446-3177 or visit our website at offsiteprofessionals.com. Interesting. The unit mix is what made the deal not go through. Yeah, because if you look over here, 202 units of the 272 are one bedrooms. Yeah. And that's fine on the surface. You're like, okay, well, if the numbers make sense, it makes sense, blah, blah, blah. But I want it at least 50-50, right? And then ideally, I want more two bedrooms than one. But why is that? For exit valuations. Because okay. I know that I can get more pop on a two and three bedroom unit, right? Both from a rent standpoint, but also a valuation standpoint down the road than I can with a one bedroom. So it's not that it doesn't work. It just makes it harder down the road when you're trying to do, you know, exit valuations and all that stuff for, you know, later. Justin, question for you. Is that because they're just not making more two bedrooms or kind of what's well, this the is an older property. That? Yeah. This one in particular is a 19, I think seventies property, 1980 property. Yeah. So, you know, when it was built, this is how they designed it. Right. And they just, yeah. maybe at the time the market, that's what the market wanted, right? They wanted more one bedrooms. The other thing that's not calculated in this is when you have a bunch of one bedrooms like this, I, mean, I don't know what the percentage is on that, but if you got I so like 65, 70% one I bedrooms. Think, I think my question was yeah, more that's 74% of, of your project my, is one, one my bedroom. Question, my question more of is like, why is it more desirable to have the two bedrooms? You're not going to have as much turnover in the property because you typically have more turnover transient tenants in one bedrooms on average. Like I said, your typical bumps if you have a bunch of one bedrooms sitting in there, like that bump, I can get more bump, right? Because if you have two roommates sharing a two bedroom, they can pay more than one person paying a one bedroom, right? Because you usually have one income paying for a one, you usually have two incomes paying for a two. So I can usually get a bigger spread on my bump on a two bedroom and a three bedroom than I can on a one, usually. Not always the case, but usually the case. And when you're at 75% in one bedrooms, it just makes it harder because as that bump happens down the road, when I go to sell the property, it's just going to make it harder to get the valuation where I need it, right? To have it make sense, you know, financially. Yeah. It's just, it's not that it can't happen, but. I guess I probably was asking a leading question of like the new developments that are out there are predominantly one and zero bedrooms. And so yep. the two bedroom kind of market has become more economically desirable just because the demand is still there and growing and yet the supply is not really increasing at the same rate. Right. And in every kind of market's going to be a little bit different, like say San Diego and some of the other ones, they want like these studios and one bedrooms and stuff like that. I've just found based on where these guys want to sell this thing, right? And what they want to get, you know, whisper price is what they call it. The brokers call it a whisper price. And this is what the seller would like to achieve. This one doesn't make as much financial sense, but I can guarantee you if this role was reversed and there were 73% two, two bedrooms, bedrooms, yes, we may be paying more, right? Because the revenue would be higher. We'd probably be, the asking price would be higher, but that the actual uh, returns would be better. 
on that property because I guarantee the bump in the rents and the ability to move the rent and the revenue and all that stuff would be better if it were at least a 50, 50, right? I mean, it doesn't need to be, you know, opposite. As long as it maybe is at a 50, 50 level, then you can typically make it work pretty well. Unless you're literally in an area where it's just built studios, right? And one bedrooms and that's just the market. So you mentioned the whisper price. Do you guys ever make offers you know, below the whisper price saying, Hey, here's what we're willing to pay um, oh, for a property like this. Yeah. Cause if I, if I came in here and I don't know, I change this, I'll make this, you know, 20, you know, 3 million. Right. Now it starts to work. Yeah. Right. So reducing the purchase price by $2 million increased the IRR by 8%. And now it's 19.6 IRR. Yeah. And a few things, and, the metrics I'm looking at with these things, I'm looking at, you know, my equity multiples, I want to see that north of two. IRRs, obviously cash on cash. I want to see expense ratios where I know they should be for this class of an asset. So, I mean, for mm-hmm. say a, a B or a C asset, we're going to be somewhere in the you know low to mid 50s on an expense ratio. Yeah, I'm interested about the expense ratio. So you guys kind of lump all the expenses together when you're doing a quick and dirty analysis Correct. and just plug in an expense ratio and then... Well, it'll plug in. So I take the T12, right? The actual profit and loss statement that the owner provides us. Into yep. the rope. These numbers are getting plugged in here, right? Into the current yes. set. So I know what they are actually today on the property. Yep. Then it becomes, okay, now we're going to acquire it. What is it going to look like then? Right. And then, you know, you're obviously increasing it on a bump of say 2% a year, but that's what they're going to look like. The reason for the difference here is really two things property taxes and insurance. Yep. Everything else is going to be similar. You may be able to maneuver some things a bit, but property taxes are obviously going to go up in new valuation and insurance is typically going to change too based on you know the markets and what's going on with that. So all those numbers will go in there. Now, obviously there's 50 line items that are really built into those numbers, but for the quick and dirty thing, you can do that and then just get me some numbers that are actually, you know, does it make any sense whatsoever. A decent guess. So yeah, correct. in your analysis, the T12 has a 62% expense ratio. And then by the end of year five, there's a 53% expense ratio. And that's just due to revenue increasing faster than the expenses. expenses. Yeah. And I usually will fluff these things pretty good, right? Because I want to stress test it a bit, you know, and they can improve, they can get better. But for the purposes of this, you know, we'll keep them like that. And then I'll throw it in. Like if the numbers start to make sense and I like the deal, then yeah, all this is going to transfer into my detailed model where I'll go spend two and a half hours analyzing it, right? This is something where I can come in here in 10 minutes and be like, okay, yes or no, right? And then if it goes to the next stage, you know, I'm going to spend two, three hours analyzing the deal. Well, Brennan, thank you so much for walking us through this. It's our first large multifamily analysis in the deal deep dive. So, And I, and I actually liked this one because the location's great, but I just know I got to stick to some fundamentals that I know. And the unit mix is, is a challenge for us on this one and ultimately would hinder us down the road based on what I see. Yeah. Well, awesome. Justin, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, if you want to tell us a little bit about what the best way to get a hold of you is. Yeah. You can go to our website at brennanpoley.com. That's my last name, B-R-E-N-N-A-N. 
And then Poli is P-O-H-L-E.com, brennanpoli.com. All our contact information is there. Obviously, you'll be able to see us on Instagram and LinkedIn and all that stuff too. It's Justin C. Brennan on Instagram. So yeah, I'd love to connect with anybody if anybody has any questions and so forth. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. That's a wrap on our deal deep dive. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. We hope that this episode has increased your knowledge and added value to your path to freedom. If you would, please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone that you know wants to be on, please visit westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form to be on the show. Thank you again and enjoy your day.